Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I am Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. The Old Testament lesson is taken from Exodus 34. Moses came down from Mount Sinai. As he came down from the mountain, with the two tablets of the covenant in his hand, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face was shining. And they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him. And Moses spoke with them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, the Israelites would see the face of Moses, that the skin of his face was shining. And Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. Our gospel is from the Gospel of Luke this morning. Um, this is Transfiguration Sunday, and so this is the story of the Transfiguration. And so hear now and listen for how God is speaking to you through these words of Luke's gospel. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. And they appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. And while he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. I'm a big fan of stories about quests, whether it's books or movies or what have you, stories about quests, especially the kind of stories that have a hero who doesn't realize at the beginning of the story that he or she is of heroic uh, progeny, Uh, that they find out that they're someone who is capable of doing heroic things, even if they aren't magically uh, endowed in any way, but just kind of normal, normal people who end up doing heroic things. I like stories about quests and heroes. 
are kind of fun. You know, Lord of the Rings, a story of the, these very normal hobbits who end up being the ones to complete uh, a major task, who have no magic or special abilities on their own other than the will to succeed and the willingness to go through tribulations. The you know, story of Luke Skywalker and Star Wars, this boy that grows up on a moisture farm and ends up being the one to defeat the Empire. Uh, or, or just other epics, Odyssey, the Gilgamesh epic, the Abraham saga from Genesis, stories of King Arthur. Uh, and I've been reading recently the Percy Jackson books, which are fantastic. Uh, getting addicted to those, and I actually finally just watched last night The Hunger Games. Uh, Katniss, uh, what was her name? Katniss Everdeen from The Hunger Games ends up being a hero. I, I like these kind of stories, and also the real life uh, stories of real life people who do things that they didn't think maybe that they would be capable of doing or that they would ever be put into a situation to do. Uh, I think of uh, Paul Rusesa Begina, who was the, uh, the man who managed that hotel in Rwanda that ended up saving 1,200 people uh, during the genocide there through just kind of his own force of will and unwillingness to, to let the people outside the compound. Stories of quests. And one thing I like about the stories of, of quests and these heroes is that they're stories of personal transformation. Not just that someone went out and did something and saved the world or did whatever, but that, they, uh, but that in a good quest story, they do that and they've changed. They've grown to know more about who they are. And they've grown to be someone that maybe they never thought that they could be. There's a personal growth there and a sense of, a greater sense of who they are. They become different. They see the world differently because they've seen more of the world. They've been out in it. Uh, their thinking changes, maybe less black and white thinking, a little more nuanced, less provincialism, no easy answers or uh, narrow visions. You know, the boring quest story is the story of someone who just goes out and does something, gets it done, uh, and returns home, in which no one has changed. <clears throat> no one at home is different. Uh, the hero is no different. Uh, hasn't learned anything about him or herself, even if they've done something really uh, incredible. If there isn't that life-changing part, that self reflective part, that they become someone different. Uh, that's a boring kind of quest story. There's not a lot of interest in that one. That's not really any different than, than if they had just taken out the trash. At least the way I take out the trash, I tend to do it very unheroically. <laughs> I don't come back inside from having taken out the trash a more confident and powerful person. <laughs> I want, I want my hero to, to change, to become different, to have gone through some self-discovery because a really good story like this is a story of, of, of self-discovery and a journey of the self. No matter how many lands or tasks the hero must go through, it's still really a story of how they changed. You know, that's why in, in some of these long kind of epic books, that they're so long, so we get the story of the journey. You know, Tolkien could have said, 
Gandalf told Frodo to go take the ring to Mordor, and he did, and everything turned out okay. Well, I want more than that. I want to know what happened, and what happened to Frodo. It's a story of self-discovery, and through them we learn about our, ourselves and reflect how we are on that kind of journey through life, even if few of us are ever tasked with a major uh, quest. Most of us in this world will never have any kind of major world-saving quest that's appointed to us, at least not of the type that will make grand literature and expensively produced movies and, uh, and that will have people gathering at conventions for years to come to dress like us and buy replicas of our equipment and argue about what we did and did not do. We may not be asked to go on a, on a, a quest, capital Q quest, but we are on a quest. Our lives have a quest-like uh, part of them. We're on a journey of self-discovery. That's part of growing up, certainly the teen years and the early adult years, but even our whole lives, this journey of self-discovery, especially those of us who have taken on the mantle of being a disciple of Jesus. We live into our baptisms, which is a kind of a quest. Not to become the perfect Christian, because that will never happen, or to live into our baptism perfectly, but that quest to always go toward that to try to be more faithful, to be more deliberate and sacrificial, to be a more generous and loving Christian. And like so many of the great quest stories, it's not really the destination that's important or the final thing that the hero does that's so important. It's the journey and what happens on that journey. And in the great stories, what happens are interruptions. They rarely go the way that the hero has mapped out for everything to take place. The journey really happens in, in the interruptions. Life for us happens in the interruptions. The interruptions test us and how we handle that test shows us who we are and through reflection on that we learn and then the next interruption, not so difficult or not as difficult. Some things get a little bit easier through the practice and we learn confidence in our ability to get through them. Whether it's an encounter with a, a mentor who urges us forward and also shows us uh, where we are deficient, challenges us to, to be better that way, or whether it's you know, being attacked by monsters, whatever that might mean, metaphorical monsters, sickness, death, loss of a job, whatever that might be, or uh, many of us get derailed by the love interest showing up unexpectedly. I have dreams that inspire us to take a different path or a random encounter that, uh, through which we gain a new friend and companion. That's what makes the story. And that's what makes life interesting and worthy is those interruptions interruptions. Those are the moments that make us the people that we are. You know, regular life tends to be pretty mundane uh, and uneventful. 
most of our days go as, as we had them planned out, even uh, maybe most weeks go as we've had them planned out. Time marches forward, we do our work, we cook our meals, we go to wherever maybe we volunteer or we go to a choir rehearsal or we go to a friend's house. And then we go to bed and we get up the next morning and we do it again. Pretty mundane. But every now and again we have those moments that leave us changed in which we grow and those moments that help us to look within and say with confidence, this is who I am. This is who I am becoming. Now I wonder about the disciples that were following Jesus. Now, the stories that we have in the Bible, the stories that we have in the Gospels are all the, the stories of the interruptions, the pretty neat things that Jesus did, preaching to a crowd or healing someone that he's encountered or having an argument with someone. But I would imagine that probably most of their days were fairly mundane, sitting around, eating, talking, maybe having some discussions. But there must have been moments where they had to go bathe, sew their clothing, fix their clothing, fix their sandals, go hang out with family, uh, maybe just sit and, uh, and do nothing for a few hours, just all those normal parts of, of life. I think most of the time that the disciples spent with Jesus was probably stuff not worth writing about. And I wonder if Peter had kept a journal. If Peter had kept a daily journal if it might read something like this. January 28th. Hung out. Jesus taught. January 29th. Jesus wanted to go to my house, so we got on the road and started walking to Capernaum. January 30th, we made it to Capernaum. Mom invented this thing called a bagel. <laughs> January 31st, hung out with Jesus. February 1st, hung out with Jesus. February 2nd, ah, oh, this was a Saturday. It was the Sabbath day. We went to the synagogue, and Jesus healed a leper and got in a big argument with the Pharisees. February 3rd, hung out, did laundry. February 4th, hung out. And then this amazing moment, February 10th, Jesus took me, James, and John up a mountaintop to pray. I was about to fall asleep. We'd been there for so long. Jesus could pray for so long sometimes. And I was ready to fall asleep. And all of a sudden, Jesus' face changed. And he became dazzling white. His clothes became dazzling white. And we saw Moses and Elijah talking with him. Moses and Elijah. Incredible. And they were having some kind of conversation about Jesus departing. And I don't know what they meant. And Jesus never told us. But it was the most stupendous experience I've ever had. I've never seen anything like that happen before. And I thought it should have lasted forever. And so I told Jesus I would make three houses. Let me make three houses here. I'll make one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. But before Jesus could answer this terrifying cloud came down and a voice came out of the cloud that said this is my son listen to him and then we were alone the cloud was gone the voice was gone Moses Elijah gone Jesus back to normal his clothes 
back to normal. And Jesus led us down the mountain. We went, we went back to the city, back to the people, back to normal life. He healed a boy who was having convulsions that afternoon. And though he never gave me an answer about my offer to build houses up there, he never gave an answer to that, I guess that taking us off the mountain was his answer. Bringing us back among the people was his answer to me about staying on the mountain. That was his way of saying no. We cannot build a house here on the mountain because we don't live here. We're not meant to stay here. This was a one-time thing for us. We're to live down there, as he points to the valley. We're to live down there, where messy life is, where mundane life is lived, where the interruptions are, and where the normal heroes are living their quests to be who they are. That's where we're needed. That's where we will live. It would be interesting if we had Peter's diary. That is the truth of our lives there, though. Our lives are lived mostly in the mundane, messy, normal parts of life. And that we cannot stay on the mountaintop. The disciples couldn't stay on the mountaintop. Even Moses and Elijah left as soon as their task was over. As soon as they were finished, they left. They went home. The heroes always go home. They don't get to stay on the quest forever. They go home. We are not called to be heroic only in extraordinary times or, or to seek the extraordinary so that we may be heroic. I think we're called to be heroic in the mundane. To be heroic where the interruptions are. To be heroic in the messy parts of life. To be heroic where human need is the greatest. In the normal moments of, on our journey of becoming faithful disciples. We are called to be heroic in those normal moments of our journey as we become more faithful disciples of the one who pointed from the mountaintop and said there, who's pointed down to the valley and said there, there is where the real heroes are needed. There shall your quest be fulfilled. Amen. And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, this is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.